0: Hello, faster my, and welcome to the Youth Political Podcast. That is Politbabble. Where this week we're joined by a guest, and we'll be discussing whether women are being failed by the justice system.
1: I'm Oliver, and as usual, I'm joined by my wonderful co-host Archibald, as well as today's guest panelist Greya. Hi. Hello. <laughs>
0: so we're back for yet another week of Political Animal, as is usual here on the podcast, and for some reason my headphones today are being very echoey, so it's quite uh interesting experience. So our question of the week this week is, are you women being failed by the justice system? So, but first, as usual, we do start off by asking all of our guests, if you were a cake, what cake would you be?
2: So I was thinking about this, it's quite difficult, but then I thought, I think I'd be a Jaffa cake. Like... They're undeniably delicious, but they're, like, slightly controversial.
0: Are they a cake? That's the real question here, I suppose. I
2: mean, I think they are. That's why I said it. But they are controversial, yet... Undeniably delicious and vegetarian. And I think that describes me quite well. I, forgo-
1: I forgot they're vegetarian. Yes. Yeah, wow. Great. I didn't know that. It's yeah. like Oreos. They're, they're vegan, aren't they? Are they? Because uh, everyone's like, well, they've got the cream in the middle. But no, yeah, they are vegan, apparently. But we've had this conversation before when someone <laughs> said, um, I think they said, I'm a cheesecake. And we argued. And then we went on to say, is it a pie? And is it other things? But yeah, interesting.
0: It, it, yeah. it, is, it is interesting indeed. Yes, yeah, so I suppose. Jeff cakes they are, they are rather good. Although I do... Uh, I'm controversial and class them as a biscuit, because okay. they're not cake-like enough for <laughs> me. Yes. According
2: to the lawsuits, they are a cake, so I stand by my, my choice, frankly. Yeah. Well,
0: correct. yes, anyway, we do go on to our question of the week, uh, mm-hmm. where are women being failed by the justice system? It was a quite a interesting uh, way to get a, to- a topic, because it's such a broad topic. To get a title from it is quite interesting to extract, So obviously we've seen uh, lots of events in the news and all over social media stories on kind of women and and those issues within the justice system Uh, and kind of maybe speaking about the fact that they could be failing by the justice system or even the there's been lots, especially in the news since uh, the Black Lives Matter movement especially took much provenance in the US, even though it's been going on for much longer last um, April. We saw obviously a lot being anti-police in that matter. With mm. I think #acab being a very very popular hashtag all over Twitter. So yes, we do uh, move uh, into this topic. We have a wide variety of in in depth uh, discussion here. So I think, Greg, did you want to start off with a re- re- relatively recent event?
2: Um, yes. Yeah, so I think that this has been this issue has been particularly brought to light with the tragic murder of Sarah, Sarah Everard. Um, it was so shocking in its. In it's tragedy, frankly. Um, a woman walking home just it, it seemed such an unassuming thing. And the fact that it was she was murdered by a police officer, I think it it does make any woman or I hope any person question the reliability of the police. And especially in the light of um the police's advice around it, you're thinking, the police haven't have an understanding of what it takes to be a woman in today's society? I'd I'd argue from that from their advice, I don't think they do, frankly. Um, but it does call into question, I think, a bigger, a bigger um, debate around the justice system and its treatment of women.
0: Frankly. Well, I think I, I think we can all agree it is obviously a tragic murder. Definitely. Um, Definitely. Because again, that that that's where I think comes out to the root of the point. We have either. We have the option to look at maybe say the justice system was the part which failed because it was a serving police officer that killed her mm-hmm. or whether it is just the criminals that really caused it and in that respect I I, I think that does lead us on to obviously like the question are all, are all police bad? That, that's that been a very pertinent question which again was raised even further in, in that. So Oliver, what, what do you think on the, the issue of policing? Do you, do you think that it is right that yes, although some argue it is a small number of police officers. Others argue it is the almost the institution that's wrong. Where do you stand on this?
1: Well, obviously, um, there's always going to be problems um, within uh, everywhere. Problems of people, uh, you know, c- sort of corruption and all sorts. But I don't believe that all, all police are bad um, at all. I, that's that's where I stand on that. I, I believe that the, the good majority um, are perfect perfectly reasonable people. Great.
2: So I <laughs> it's, I, like, I,
0: it's, it's <laughs> rather like pulse to parcel here. Isn't <laughs> it, <Yeah. yes. laughs> um
2: I don't believe that they're all they're all malicious murderers. Um they, of course that we we just know that's not the case. Um but I think obviously bad is quite subjective, but I'd argue that many of them are complicit in some of the the objectively um horrible treatment of minorities that goes on Um, I don't want to say that makes them all bad as such but I think there is a lack of awareness of the lots of injustice that goes on
0: what would you suggest that maybe would change in the justice system then because obviously we 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 can look at there's there's obviously more that can be done and with anything really to make something a better service Of course. and better serve mm-hmm. the community that that's always a, a good case. Mm-hmm. But what can we actually do? Because we we see a lot about. Uh, well, I think we see we see this even within business now, see, or even with schooling, they they mm. have a lot of, I think it's anti-bias training, and I can't okay. ever I can't see it doing anything necessarily. Some argue that yes, it does have an increase, but those who are going to have that bias anyway, they're going to keep that bias. You can't, you can't rule out, in my view, an inherent bias. Or so if they are actually generally just prejudiced,
1: <coughs> you can't
0: say stop being prejudiced. This is wrong. <laughs> they're hardly going to change their views that it's suddenly prejudiced. So, what, 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 can, what, what would you suggest a solution there?
2: Well, um, on 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 the talk of um like bias training, I don't think that it's people in roles that um need to deal with bias and kind of the elimination of such. I I I don't think or I hope that the people that have such um such large prejudice prejudices should be in those roles. I think it's more addressing the unconscious biases that we all have. Um I know I have them. I've done this this test um that it shows it it shows you like a series of pictures and scenarios and it, it tests who you naturally kind of are drawn towards. Um and so I think it's more Becoming aware of that than it is addressing like like the rampant misogynists because obviously you'd have to do a lot more than just unconscious bias training to to rule out those it's more it's more like bringing light to the facts we might have unconscious biases that we're not aware of, but in terms of the justice system as a whole, I think it's more an issue of kind of redressing the the balance of power um I think that with any With any power given that police officers have, there's the opportunity for the corruption of it. Um, And I'm not saying that all police officers corrupt their power, but I'm saying that with such power comes the opportunity for corruption. So to eliminate, maybe not eliminate that, but to lessen that, I think there should be more of a focus on the roots of crime itself. Um, Maybe taking some money away from... The amount of money that goes into the police force and putting it more into rehabilitation schemes, um, education in like impoverished areas. Um, I can't think of anything more on top of my head, but yeah, addressing the roots of the crime before it happens to take off, to take some of the pressure off police because I do think that's an issue that um, sometimes when police don't maybe perform to um, like the to are not completely in line in terms of legality, that an element of that is pressure. So taking that off and, put, and putting more of the the um, the spotlight on stopping the crime from happening rather than punishing.
0: Oh, it's, it's interesting, though, you mentioned the corru- corruption aspect. because yes. It is then almost the argument, should we ever give anyone power? Because in that case, I, can, I entirely agree with you, power can always be corrupted. There's always Definitely. that possibility. But if we then say we should, how, how do you manage and regulate the power? We have, obviously, the uh, IOPC, which mm-hmm. is the In- Independent Police Conduct
2: Yeah, or
0: Organisation. I've forgotten the uh, full acronyms expansion <laughs> term, but it's basically the Independent Police Conduct Office. Um, a bit like if you watch Line of Duty, AC12, that's a mm-hmm. more uh, pop, pop pop culture reference, which is, probably isn't pop culture. I'm using the totally wrong language there. <laughs> but there, there, is, there is that level, I'd say, of, of corruption training. But even if we... Mm-hmm. If, I, I think police are starting to realise they need to work on stopping the roots of crime so they're they're looking especially I think at the moment at uh, the county lines, obviously straight away from our original topic, (laughs) but they do look at that original stopping of crime because obviously they, they don't you speak if you speak to police officers, they don't want to put people in jail, they don't want to go and arrest people. Obviously, of the minority, which are very egotistically driven, but they exist in all realms of society, really. Mm-hmm. But lots of them really just want to help society. So, I think it's interesting you mentioned those schemes there. But could that not be worked in with the police within all outside of law enforcement to maybe make it a both mm-hmm. dealing with crime, dealing with the effects of crime, but also maybe looking at making them more community focused in that regard. Yeah as you I, see I think you're here, community policing.
2: Yeah, I agree, you can't really separate the two. Um but I think that there has been almost a slight demonization of the police, which I'm not um arguing for or against. I'm I'm arguing in recent years. Um I think that has that has happened. Um in terms of oh, I saw a statistic the other day that um women in um, who are uh, victims of sexual assault are less likely to go to the police because they don't feel like it will be treated seriously or um, they feel embarrassed. Um, there's a whole, a whole host of reasons why people don't report it and go to the police. And I think that shows that there's a... Yes, there's... Um, they, they fear that w- women don't report rape because some reasons they wouldn't... They don't, they don't feel like people would be sympathetic. Um, they don't think they'd be believed didn't think it would help, they, they fear embarrassment or humiliation, and some just dislike the police, according to a BBC statistic. Mm. And I think that shows that general public opinion, at least a woman, is moving away from the police. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, I'm just saying that that seems to be the case. And so um, if the police, if the police's um, presence is swindling, I think we need to focus on other areas in terms of um, policing, and therefore move money slash resources away from the police and into areas that effectively does become community policing, but just with the less kind of domineering stance of a police officer.
0: How, do you how, know what I mean? Yeah, I I can see I can see the point um, yeah. of looking at maybe making police a bit more approachable. Mm-hmm. now. I always know when I'm, uh, I, it's, it's whenever whenever you're driving or you're just uh. passing by and a police car passes you, you always have that <laughs> twinge of have I done something wrong? Even though you know you've done absolutely nothing wrong, there's always that twinge inside. Have I actually done something that contrary? Are going to pull me over? Uh, even though I know I'm following with the letter of the law with driving. Uh, so, but we do we do look at uh, uh, if you look at that aspect of maybe looking at. Obviously rape, for mm-hmm. example, or other sexual assault. Mm-hmm. In that regard, um, even if you're looking at them not necessarily reporting them, how it's very hard, I suppose, on the police end, if you look at obviously conviction rates. Because you're looking at it and you're almost saying, if there isn't the evidence there, what then do you do?
2: It is it is difficult. Um, don't it's obviously it's one of the hardest mm. ones to prosecute. Um because of it because of its nature. I think it's more if we don't look at it from a legal point of view, uh, are we frankly just justifying it? Like what if we don't at least try, are we are we leaving the victims? Because I, I don't think that services um, in terms of mental health, they they're awfully underfunded um, in mm. terms of support of victims. And if that, on top of a lack of prosecution, a lack of even going to the police, where does that leave women, frankly?
0: Well, if you're looking at... I, I thought I will have something to say yeah. here somewhere. <laughs> uh, but if you're looking at uh, even looking at prosecution, you, you mentioned... It's, it's, it is obviously very hard to prosecute these cases you mentioned. It's, they're, they're notoriously hard to actually get, gain the evidence and have enough evidence to make it prosecutable. But if you're even looking at that, we could then... Possibly, I think, at least in my view, something which could be implemented is looking at maybe adding that support service... And treating them, yes, we may not be able to get your prosecution, but we can still help. Because obviously the woman, they may, they may some of them are obviously false allegations. A minority are proven false. A minority are proving true. There's that big gap in the middle where simply you do not know. So it's surely better to offer <laughs> that service. Because I know, if anyone around me who I know had that happen to them, I'd be outraged. So it's not something that I think is necessarily so split on, on, the, on, on the political spectrum. It's something which these are decent people, they don't want to see people being assaulted, even mm-hmm. physical assaults we see it all, all the time, I'll come to this later um, but you're looking at it and it's looking at maybe not the policing front, I wouldn't say it's the justice system necessarily failing women because there's only so much that the justice system can, can do, they can't prosecute over an accusation because there needs to be a burden of proof, otherwise I could say, Oliver murdered me <laughs> <laughs> and, and, or even though I, or I say Oliver murdered uh, that person who died over there and we can't necessarily have that burden of proof. But let's say, oh, I've murdered that person over there and I'm distraught because of it. I should then get support because I'd still honestly believe that. And that's something which needs to be dealt with. Uh-huh. So, yeah. I- I'm not sure if we disagreed so far on this topic. but Yeah,
2: yeah. it's just going back to a s- statistic you said earlier. It's um, most of... According to the Home Office, um, in the UK police, only 4% of sexual violence reported to the police are even found or suspected to be false. And um, if this is even that statistic implies an amount of el- evidence that they have to suspect something to be false, mm. so that implies that ninety six percent are suspected to be true, which um, implies a an amount of evidence they have. It depends. To say that. It
0: depends. Depends if we follow the uh, legal protocol of innocent until proven guilty, because that's that's ultimately I think a key pillar of western society Mm -hmm. we have that ability in court you have to have a burden of proof but i think it it doesn't necessarily suggest that there's i think it's just they don't know they can't say it's false and they can't say it's true there's a giant there's a giant gap
2: according to the home office they are um four percent of sexual sexual violence this is um the uk police um are found or suspected to be false um
0: yes suspected to be false but you can't you can't suspect something whether you know it's neither true or false. You can't suspect either way. That's true, but Um,
2: um, the facts... Where where does that leave the 96% of cases found or suspected to be true? That implies there's more evidence um, to say that they are true, which I'd argue um, gives you at least some legal standing to say in court. If you can find a statistic um, that suspects something to be false, that means you can suspect something to be true. And if you can suspect something to be true... I'd argue that that gives you at least some legal standing to prosecute.
0: Mm. I suppose we can move this into an uh, analogy rather than <laughs> rather than obviously this very um, hot, uh, controversial topic in a way where we yes. we do risk certain aspects of uh, being <laughs> cancelled over, thanks Twitter. Uh, but <laughs> if you look at the, if take it, we can extrapolate an extrapolated example here, I'll, I'll
1: well, I was just gonna, you can carry on. I was just I had a, a point I'd like to no, do to, do, to do raise. Do well, um, I was looking through an article earlier and I had an interesting quotation i thought it'd be quite nice for you guys to reflect on so it says i i don't know whether i've sort of pulled this into early or whether we want to discuss it later but it's just an interesting point and we can refer back to it later on it says it has been long acknowledged that our criminal criminal justice system was originally designed by men for men, and then it is largely dominated by men. As a result, women get slotted into a framework that treats them like men, and fails to recognise some key differences and complexities. And that was uh, by Professor Jackie Turnson of the Sussex University. Um, at, I think she's does sociology or something, but I mm-hmm. thought it was a really interesting um, quotation. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that at all?
2: Um, I completely agree with it, frankly. Um, I think... It's a fact that it was created by men, just because of the patriarchal nature of history. Um, I think that all high power jobs were, and to an extent, still are, um, created by men. Um, I, I frankly, I don't think I don't know how you how you'd argue against that. We we can see from history that women just weren't in those positions of power. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, clearly, and sorry, and clearly, if it's been set up. Uh, by men, then there's been you know no acknowledgement for women, and that's probably why victims mm-hmm. of these cases are mm-hmm. so badly treated
2: definitely i yeah that's what I think and um i I do think that women because it was created by men and is still dominated by men um that the focus is is on is on men um I think that as a result of the patriarchy i think I think men do suffer as a result of that um that like, sentences um, for women tend to be less harsh because um, of children. Um, they, they feel that, that men can't be the caregivers in the family, and that's a result of the patriarchy, that they don't think men should be the caregivers, and that's arguably a um, discrimination against men.
0: But surely that benefits women. So if we're arguing here that um, you're looking at the criminal, the criminal justice system was made by men, mm-hmm. surely men would then... Why, why would they then give women lenience? And if you're looking at that... If you're looking at, obviously, men face harsher sentences. Men mm. are more likely to be sent to jail. Men are, again, more likely to become the victim of a violent crime. We see in London there's a heavy increase of stabbing. I, w- I wouldn't want to walk out on the streets of London at night. Um, I'm at a high prevalence of in the age bracket where I would statistically be likely to be killed oh. um, if there was an attack. So if you're looking at that, I don't think... You could say you can't overall say the criminal justice system is then disadvantaged against women because women receive much less lenient sentences. They're pregnant. They're very unlikely to face a jail sentence, and if they do, again, it's because of the severity of the crime. They're again a lot less. They're more likely to even if you look at bias, a woman in court is much like more likely to be believed in as a witness. Uh, they're, they're deemed as more reliable. We saw there was a case a, a few years ago. Uh, it's even a Victorian anecdote. Again, it was the Victorian era when obviously the criminal justice system was developing, mm-hmm. and it was a man would ask his daughter to testify because she's more believable than another man testifying for him. Sorry, because so uh, that, that was in the Victorian yeah. times. So even with, with in, in the Victorian yeah. times
2: hundreds of years ago. The yes. statistic is from hundreds. But of Well,
0: it, ago. It, it, it's it's an, it's an anecdote. But if you're seeing the the generally if you look at the statistic on, on bias, mm-hmm. women are if they are deemed more trustworthy in some cases. Again in in sexual assault cases they're not. Again it's that it changes. But I wouldn't say that the criminal justice system is inherently against women because it is inherently I'd argue against men. Uh, But again, I wouldn't say it's caused by the patriarchy because if the patriarchy is focused on having male dominance in society, they wouldn't punish their own gender or sex in that regard.
2: So patriarchy is obviously male dominance in society, but it it does manifest um, in other ways, in the ways that um, women are seen as housewives, which obviously is an element of male dominance, because if women are the housewives and men are the breadwinners, and obviously that comes with more power. Um, So that that stereotype of women being the housewives is uh, manifests itself in court because um, women are, are always and usually only seen as um, the caregivers, the um, yeah, the the people who raise the children. So therefore, that while that isn't necessarily um, kind of, it's still an element of the patriarchy, despite it not not necessarily giving male power. It do, it does still play into the patriarchy because of those stereotypes that have been put in place because of patriarchal society. Um, I'd, lo- I'd be interested to see some statistics about um, biases towards women in recent years um, because I, I'm i not aware of any of those. I, I think um, our perceptions of men and women have changed a lot since Victorian times.
0: Uh, uh, they were not, uh, again, uh, Victorian was only an anecdote of a case when the criminal justice system was emerging and that was, again... <laughs> when you would argue that there was a more patriarchal society, but now we've seen women rise to the top of power in the UK, so we are, I argue, moving away from from that from that aspect. But if we're looking at even you said uh, it, that there's not bias against women, well, there there is obviously bias. There's a bias. There's a bias because women again get shorter sentences. Yeah, as a result uh, of patriarchy. But I don't think we can base everything again off the patriarchy. It's just the system how it's done and women. Are more statistically likely to care for the child because, again, if you look at work, you look at, again, later in life, and we even look at, I suppose. Jordan Peterson, uh, you might disagree with him, but anyway, he's giving a very interesting statement. I did more research into it, and he was saying, well, even if you look at the top law firms in the world, they want to retain their female lawyers because they are law- they're really good lawyers because they're top of the field. You want to retain them, but after a certain amount of time, they would want to exit law because they realize it's such it's such a hard career, and they want to they realize there's more to life than work. So if we look at that aspect of society. We can't necessarily say it's all down to patriarchy that we see what we have today.
2: Well, you'd you'd want to think about why women are feeling this this pressure. I think is implied um, to leave work. Um,
0: I I, w- I wouldn't say there's a pressure to leave work. They have a choice.
2: They do have a choice, but you've got to think about nothing. Nothing exists in a void. You've got to think about outside influences um, and pressures. That I I'd argue that that there is such a pressure on women. Um, to kind of fulfil this societal expectation of the perfect woman is to get married, have kids, raise a family. And society isn't geared up for women to sustainably do both. So you've, you've got to give up one. And in a heteronormative society, um, it's, it's expected of the man to keep...
0: But, but surely, if we look at this this case, a man can't give birth, so a woman then has to surely there must be some break yes. for them to have a child they of can't, course, of they course. can't just exist and then not have a child and then the mother there is an inherent connection between a mother and a child it's ba- 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 base based there, but let's say then they want to stay at home or the, the, there's plenty of stay at home dads now they they yeah, of they coexist but
2: there's not there's um, not an equal um maternal and paternal leave um. It, well, I mean, it's much less likely to get equal maternal and paternal leave. Um,
1: but, but I think the paternal leave has gone significantly up. To doesn't mean it, it's equal, to, though. No, no, but it has gone up since but compared to what it used to be. That's true. There's, there's been some countries where they have decided that the paternal there, there's
0: a maternal and paternal leave again, the two parents, and the one which wants to stay home and care give, they get the longer one, mm-hmm. the other gets a shorter one. I think that's again the system, but they shouldn't necessarily be the same because otherwise you're looking at a workforce where then you're cutting out. To they, they, if they're not caring for the child and they're not going to continue to care for the child they can get back into the workforce and their career isn't kind of they're not out of the work for six months and then in six months a lot changes within major industry and they're not necessarily at the top of their game so again we're looking at this so I wouldn't say that's women can choose to go home and have a children. we've seen in the past 20 years it's totally changed uh, how our society kind of operates in that regard. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, un- I'm unsure actually how that, again, relates to a bias against women because the expectation has, I'd argue, been, re- been removed.
2: I wouldn't argue it's been removed. I would argue that it's been lessened. We're seeing um, a drop in um, women choosing to have children. But I'd argue that there's still a massive pressure on women to... I mean, you you, you hear about, like, in films and things, when women get, I don't know, like thirty five and pushing on forty. You hear about um women being told they're like they're, their clock is ticking. You saw it in, in the new series of sex education to bring in a pop culture reference. Um, which I don't understand
0: because I've not watched it. Have you yeah. not watched it? Oh no, it's I so haven't. good. Yes. Um, I have
2: Jean Jean Milburn, played by Gillian Anderson, um is a is an older mother and that is um frowned upon, frankly, um because I know she's seen as past her past her best. And I think that really highlights the um the view of women as as kind of almost baby
0: machines, I think. But if you do look at it even biologically, women are generally, it it is unsafe beyond a certain age. It gets more dangerous to have a birth. There are more likely to be complications. And obviously the biological clock does in a way exist. uh, Menopause happens eventually. So Mm -hmm. if we're looking at this, again, uh, yes, you you, you could argue they're, they're not... A singular object of a baby making machine, that would be ridiculous to suggest, Mm -hmm. but in our society, they are the only one who can produce offspring and actually Mm -hmm. continue the human race. If they all said, Well, I need my career, I'm working till 65, then I retire and have a family, we can't do that. we can't have that in society because we then have no new population to actually take up the jobs and carry on.
2: Yeah, of course not. But I think that there's an assumption that women from like ages, I don't know, 25 to 35, want to have children and they're asked about children and the next step on from moving in with their partners are children and I think that that does either un- unconsciously or, or consciously pr- put a pressure on women to to fulfill that expectation and I I think that is part of the reason why many women leave early leave what wo- leave the workforce and that there aren't suitable provisions if they do choose to off you know their own accord um there aren't suitable provisions for them to to return back into the world because the workforce is so has has originally been built for men and obviously they don't understand that because they're they're not the birth givers so therefore they don't really understand the provisions and also sometimes like the mental toll it takes on a woman and therefore don't give the necessary provisions for them to return back to work which i think is why we don't see as many women returning to work
0: personally Want to say? Oh,
1: sorry. No, no, I don't. No, 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 okay. no I, don't, I don't. Yeah, it's,
0: it's more just if women, women return. I think I have a I have a view that I think uh, I, I could probably quote Thatcher somewhere in here. Okay. Uh, but I, I I can't I can't I can't place an exact quote, so I will refrain. And also, yes, um, <laughs> <laughs> yes, just seeing greatest face there. <laughs> uh, but that it, society is the building block, and it's like family is the building block of our society. We're almost looking at family kind of builds the societal functions we even have it inside your own family regardless of kind of you mm. you'll call it heteronormative or whatever word you attach to it A family is still <laughs> family and that is again the building box of a society you have that is like a mini society within a society almost mm-hmm. that is a family and i would again i could quote there are no, no, no such things as society There are an individual women uh, and men as thatcher said but if you're look, if you're looking at it um, having that family is very, very important. That family time is very, very important. So sending, it's a woman returning to work or even a man returning to work, either, either parent, it doesn't, I'd argue it doesn't matter which one wants to stay home. But it's very important that caregiver exists in that early stage of development, at least to the child goes to school mm. because that's how they start to have their light, it's kind of impression. That's the nature versus nurture is very, very important in those first few years. So I wouldn't say there needs to be suddenly an increase in provisions. There should just be looking at making our society more accessible to having children, and you're not having to send both, ch- both, both parents to work.
2: Well, is that not an increase in provisions?
0: Well, it's, it's increasing provisions to have to go back to work to have childcare. You're then not having that con- that connection. Those areas is very, very important. I argue. I'm
2: not not necessarily of. A- provisions around childcare, provisions around mental health services um kind of a reduced time um coming back um i think that that well, actually i think it has improved with covid because people have started working from home more mm. but i think there's quite a a big jump from just staying at home with a child to then going straight back into nine to five work five days a week and that that Obviously, I mean, to jump going back to school after the holidays, let alone like going back to work after after having a child, I think that that is probably quite daunting for women in probably a male orientated workforce. I'd, I'd argue that in in lots of fast paced working environments, um, it is still male dominated, and therefore that that might seem quite quite daunting to women after such a long break from work, or men, but. It is. It is still mostly women who are staying home.
0: Well, I, I think I can. I can see your your. I, I can agree with the principle behind your point. I think mm-hmm. that yes, it is obviously daunting to go back into that work environment. But if you're looking at it, I don't think it's e- neither a male nor female orientated oriented workforce. It is a workforce orientated for business because it's obviously the business and the company's responsibility is to return a profit to its shareholders. That's the ultimate form of business. Of course, uh, You may disagree with that if you're an anti-capitalist, but if you're looking at that aspect, a business is there to make money. So it's not there to say, well, we need to get our workforce to return. It is focused on making its workforce work. That's the whole point of the company's structure. So it isn't necessarily based on, I'd say it's, it, it's not, it's not made for the primary care giver it is made purely for the secretary caregiver and again in usual cases it's the man because that is how our society forms um but i wouldn't necessarily i don't call a problem with that again it's the family's choice who chooses to work who chooses to care yes yeah yeah.
2: of course um but as as you said the the primary caregiver is um historically and still to this day i i'd argue a woman.
0: I can't Statist- the statistically, it is, but I don't. I don't see of anything course. wrong with that. Well, no, no, of course I can't not. The point. Mm.
2: Of course not. I. I don't. Um, but the fact that women are the primary caregivers, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. Um, but as you said, the workforce is um, is catered for the secondary caregiver. That implies that the workforce is therefore catered for men, and do you not see an
0: issue with that? Well, I, again, I wouldn't say it's necessarily catered for for men. It's catered you, for those who continue working. You, d- you just said that, but the, it, but it's not catered for men because that person could be of either gender. If the woman chooses to go back to work and the man stays back to care, it isn't catered for the man. No, but the, ma-
2: but, but the majority of primary caregivers are women and therefore they, if, if a woman wants to break that mould and become the secondary caregiver, they, they are already an outsider because that, that's not the usual thing to do, meaning it's much more difficult for them.
0: I can argue, I can, I can extrapolate into analogy. I love analogies <laughs> if you've not noticed yet. If you have a <laughs> shelf and it's in a food store and that mm-hmm. shelf is mainly filled with fruit, and there's not vegetables there and there. Well, it's not that fruit. That shelf is catered for fruit. It, well, no, and the, and the space is all for fruit. It's not, and it could fit vegetables. It's not catered for fruit. It's a, bit of a weird analogy. It's, it's catered <laughs> it to holding stuff. It's catered to holding stuff. And again, it's catered for a workforce. It's not catered for the individual needs because that's not the company's responsibility. Um, I wouldn't say that it's just purely, it's, it's statistical. It's, 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 I wouldn't say the statistics are linked no. I, I can't see the argument for saying they're linked.
2: How so if if women are the primary caregivers historically, whether that be right or wrong, I you said that they were. Um and that obviously the primary caregiver would take more time off work as you yeah. said was was the case. Um and work is you you're not you're not working if you're the caregiver, therefore it's catered for the secondary caregiver, whether that be man or woman. Um but statistically we see that's to be the man um if men are the secondary caregivers therefore there's more of them in the workplace because the primary caregivers the women on the whole are at home um that makes a male-dominated workforce If there's a male-dominated workforce um with a woman kind of breaking that mold of being the secondary caregiver they are entering um a male-dominated workforce um as an outsider almost um 'Cause they break they break that mould of not being the primary caregiver. Therefore, they're entering a workforce that that doesn't really understand that they've they've had that they've had that child, they've gone through that mentally and physically um quite draining experience. Um and therefore it it I'm I'd argue that it makes it considerably, considerably harder for them to return to the workforce because the majority of men have not gone through gone through that, obviously. Um, therefore, I'd argue that. They'd find that incredibly daunting, and then i might put them off because we don't have those provisions because they're men.
1: Well, I think it's perfect time to sort of get us back on the topic of are <laughs> women being failed by the. Spoiling the, Christi- the fun system. there, Oliver. <laughs> well, I just, the we have deviated quite off topic, I might like to add. But we, no, there's been some fair points made across both parties, and I think. That Oliver it's...
0: likes to play the diplomatic role, but we all know outside the, outside the recording <laughs> studio he's uh, very <laughs> hot headed on his opinions. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm sure soon uh, yes.
1: we'll see the rise of Oliver coming in with some strong opinions <laughs> but they'll have to wait and that's why you have got the the off
0: air, the off air podcast which you can purchase for an additional 99 pounds 99 from me. Yes. Teas and C's apply.
2: Because
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how how are you bringing it back. Um, you, that's so, your, it's your link. Yeah. It's
1: your link. So um we we've talked about um Pay being Dr. <laughs> okay, okay. Um do, do, so we've said um we haven't really said but I don't Did we discuss this on should sexual harassment um, be criminalised? And um, we've got a few more points here to raise. But do you have much further to uh, add on these comments?
2: Um, About sexual harassment being criminalised? Well, it's already criminalised in the workforce Mm. to a certain extent. Which um, one of the main arguments against it being criminalised is it is hard to criminalize but mm. i think that the fact has been crim- the, the very fact it has been criminalized in certain environments means it can be criminalized in more environments um i i don't think it's an issue of morally should it be considered wrong i think if anyone if anyone disagrees with that moral point of view we have severe we, we, have, we have an issue on our hands it's <laughs> it's um frankly i i can't see why it's not mm, yeah for me at least yeah
1: um going on to uh, rape prosecutions and allegations do you believe they're taken seriously um, and and then we'll go on to sort of a, a, a review of the the uh, question of the question. question yeah yeah
2: um I I don't think they're taken seriously at all frankly um, I think there is such a disproportionately heavy weight placed upon false allegations um, at least in the UK I know it's it's actually even a lesser percentage elsewhere but it's it's only four percent and even though it haven't been proved to be false um i think it well this happened and i'm sure they're devastating it it's not it should not be our main port of call and i think um there was really interesting quotes from god i can't remember um a chair of a women's campaign um that, that rape is effectively being decriminalized Um, the amount of reported rapes have exponentially increased in um, recent years but yet the amount of not only the amount of them prosecuted, but the amount of them reported to the police have um, exponentially decreased. Mm. And I I can't see you know, any um, logical reason for that other than the fact that they're not taken seriously. I don't know. I mean, I the only logical explanation I can see for such a, a big discrepancy is, is that um, they shouldn't be taken seriously. Um, to answer the question of verification of um rape allegations. Um I I know that we, we do need to verify them just so we can prosecute them. Obviously you can't prosecute without without evidence, but I think that it it's a very fine line between um taking evidence and almost almost putting putting women through through their traumatic experience once more. And um, you've heard horrible stories about people asking um in court what underwear the woman is wearing, um, because According to them, that plays a part in whether they they consented or had ideas of whether that would that be going. And I think that this is almost inherent um, disbelieving disbelief of of women. Um, it just it just shows that they they don't take it seriously. And I I do think it's a it's a fine line to tread between needing to take evidence, obviously, but also. um almost putting women through the traumatic experience once more. We've had um people um yeah, being talking to um charities that help with um women who've gone through rape and trying to take take it through the, the court system.
0: Well, I think there's there's definitely the point there that it's, it's ridiculous asking them what they're wearing, etc. Because that that, that, that that can't criminally define whether something happened or didn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless it's obviously, were you wearing a yellow jacket? Yes, we a uh, witness saw, etc. etc. <laughs> of course. Um, but looking at at it, even when you mentioned you mentioned false allegations there. Mm-hmm. I still I I can't. Again, um, regard regardless of what of what we think, false allegations are obviously ridiculous. I mean, mm-hmm. we, again, I think it's not right to prosecute someone on a really low boundary of evidence because there's been, plenty of, there's been cases where that's then been overturned and even if we look at it the amount it can again be done I think it's, it would be safer, there'd be less worry against false accusations if the person wasn't named until they go into a case, we even see that in Justice in the Isle of Man, we have someone on 3FM naming and shaming all the petty crime when it's when they're not being convicted. Yeah, it's before they're been convicted. In other times, it's, a woman it's a was court then report, isn't it? Yeah, a know. woman then was uh, acquitted, and mm. that will all forever stay on the internet that she was charged with
1: something ridiculous. Yeah, and it mm-hmm. was.
0: It can ruin it can ruin lives, and uh, any sort of allegations certainly can.
1: Sorts. I I definitely agree with that. Um, I don't think that you know that should be the case. No, you know, not. people are innocent till they're, they're proven guilty, and to have that stamp marked on the on the internet and or t- you know to to people of the public. It is simply not fair. Mm.
0: Of course uh, not. No, definitely well, I, not. I think definitely more, more, more can be done on looking at those who haven't haven't achieved the prosecution, but also haven't been proven false. That then does need a still level of support, because we see, again, that's, I think that's the main distress, that they're not being given any support. I think that would uh, definitely. alleviate that anger in that area, yep. whilst not again providing much cost to the Exchequer, and those mm. then will recover and return back to the economy. Yep. And that will, again be prosperous economically so I'd argue of course. there's definitely an economic argument even yeah. beyond the moral yeah. uh, the moral responsibility there. Because it is it is awful and I I, I we, we can't no one can defend uh, any sort of assault. No, but no, no. I think it's more we have to be careful about looking at the what is true and what is false and looking at the burden of proof I think is is, is, is key. But yeah. you look you're looking then at uh, also you're talking about uh, sexual harassment being criminalized I think to a degree certain types can be Others, again, they're virtually impossible to prosecute because it depends what you define. It was the U.S. the UN uh, study, which was heavily popularised on parcel squares. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything seems to be on parcel squares where I see information. I see alternate parcel squares, which are from the opposite side. Everyone started using parcel squares now, mm-hmm. basically. It's become the new way to share information. But if you're looking at the, the statistics, there was something where I think it was... i forgot to one There's one part where it made a big... Uh, there, there's a... Query criticism against how it was collate, collated, mm. because obviously the number was ridiculous, was very very high, about ninety seven or ninety six. Uh But then some of it was just being looked at, and I don't think. Again, I I can't see that being criminalised, because I could look at someone, they view it as harassment, and then I get charged and put in jail or fined. And then that 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 can't. There's there's certain aspects where yes oh. it can. But there's a limitation, so I'm not sure where you paste those limitations. But there's limitations. But to answer the overall question, as I think it's probably pertinent mm-hmm. to do, Definitely. I don't think uh, the justice system is inherently failing women. I think the justice system has its flaws and it has its benefits. Uh, it both fails men and women in different areas. There's no one where where it fails men, it usually uh, benefits women, and vice versa. It doesn't necessarily. Uh, or, or it fails them both, generally. Um, so I think the justice system can be obviously improved and we can look at, as I've mentioned, maybe looking at that moral level of support for those who feel they haven't been given any support and even victims who've had their allegations proven true still haven't been given support. And I think that's something which is quite interesting to see how we're like, yes, thank you for coming forwards. It's it's hard for them to come forward, Definitely. but we're not going to help you anyway. That, that, like, it, it doesn't seem helpful because you need professionals to deal with it. I, I Again, you, your general average Joe won't be know what on earth to do uh, apart from provide a shoulder to, to lean on. So I think it's more the justice system isn't inherently failing women. It's more the lack of evidence which isn't a failing of the justice system. I think as science improves, we start to see the conviction rates go up on certain things as DNA recognition becomes available from a single speck of hair. It's become quite, quite amazing what science can do. Mm-hmm. But I think it, it can be improved but it's not inherently failing i'm not sure yeah you, you can go on to answer the Great. interesting question
2: um obviously i disagree with you Archie. um i, surprise, I do surprise. think yeah i i do think that um it does fail men um and it, it um fails kind of um, minorities of both men and women and um um more because of um unconscious bias but i do think it's disproportionately affects women. Um, there was just a target that I forgot to mention earlier. That um, So the CPS had a target of a 60% conviction rate um, for rapes in 2019. That was their target. And spoilers, they didn't hit it. They they have never hit that. Um, but it led to officers being told to drop weaker or more challenging cases to ensure conviction. I think that just shows that... Oh, it, it's ridiculous. Leads to ridiculous. A, yeah, at yeah. least to... a. Pre- prioritization of statistics over justice and the fact that women are incredibly more likely to be wa- to be raped and men are 98 98.5 percent of rapists are men i think that statistic that well, prioritis- prioritization of um statistics and how they look to the public over the justice um for women if that if that doesn't show a failing of the justice system on behalf of women who've gone through that traumatic experience i don't know what does
0: well, I think there, there is the uh, case which is becoming there's an interesting study done and it, it's it's becoming more, more researched about. Is obviously the opposite of of, me, of female raping, uh, women raping men. And again, that's mm-hmm. not very at all reported because men. It's demasculizing almost. It's again, it's not very uh, it's not very talked about. Uh, but I think you, you do make an interesting point that maybe I'd say, it it maybe the justice system just fails people then overall um but it, it it's something which i think definitely needs to be worked on and i can agree totally with your uh, statistical thing we shouldn't be focusing on prosecutions from a statistic because it's dangerous in both sense it means you prioritize the cases which are easy to win and you also can if before the pace act if you had that statistic police would make up confessions to gain prosecutions <laughs> to look good it's not it's not the way to do justice mm-hmm.
2: of course not of yeah. course not but um i I think your statement of it fails people is um, is quite flawed. Um, the Basically, um, the um, the prosecution rates for crimes that are still hard to prove. Um, oh gosh, I've got things off the top of my head now. But um, crimes with little evidence, rape, basically what I'm trying to say is rape and sexual assault are the, I think, the lowest um, prosecution, have the lowest prosecution rate um, in relation to um, allegations. And obviously that rape disproportionately affects women um and i think that if it affected people we would see a if it if the justice system just disproportionately was um affected people in general negatively we would see all all crimes with a low evidence rates um having low prosecution but that's not what we're seeing we're seeing a disproportionate um bias against women and that for me that shows that it's not just it does it does this it does harm everyone but it disproportionately harms women in my opinion. Oh.
1: Um well I think you've both made some to to, to try and wrap it up here. What why is he so um, diplomatic? Of course. Oliver, <laughs> crikey, Have some opinion.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I believe you you both make uh, really fair points um but I I I I wouldn't say it I would say, to some degree, it is failing women, but I don't believe entirely that it is. Uh, definitely, in the way that um, when women are are the victims of things, they they are not uh, treated fairly at all in, in, in most cases. Um, so so yeah, that's where that's where I stand on it. But I think it's now time uh, for us to move on to our current affairs section Ooh, I of the show. That so we're going to now have a round-up of this week's Isle of Man news. So the new Council of Ministers has been revealed. Face coverings are expected in Manx schools, and the DOI minister, Tim Crookle won't give nightmare deadlines. <laughs> Island gas prices have rose by 27.5%. That's it, really, for Manx news this week. It's been a very interesting one. So first of all, we're going to start off with the new Council of Ministers being released it was unfortunate that it was released on the friday so we couldn't fit it. obviously we had our last C- come on Coman! What, what what
0: are we paying you for yeah. come on <laughs> you're
1: supposed to release it on time so we can talk about it so obviously it's, it's a little bit delayed now but not all of you you may may or not uh know um but yeah we have a, a new Coman. um Obviously, it's been branded over the past five years as co-men, um, <laughs> as it's, well, it, I know it had it had one uh, woman in it. For, and then she resigned. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for a period of time in, in health and social care. But now we have a completely different co-men uh, with Alfred Cannon, obviously leading it as the chief minister. ministers we were discussing last week. We now, for the first time ever, actually have a designated deputy uh Chief Minister Jane Paul Wilson. Yes, former Love MLC, Jane, Paul Wilson. Jane Paul Wilson, who is also the um, minister for the Department of um, Home Affairs and Justice. Um, so she's going to be the sort of deputy to Alf. I think they've they've realised that oh, we should put in a deputy. Uh, I think it's really arose in the times of COVID. Um, mm. Obviously, Alf did kind of stand in for um, Howard's, um
0: in, it's in always the last term
1: but it is—it's a good Definitely. idea, especially if someone went into you know uh, unfortunate circum- circumstances. But um, no, it's really interesting to see um, Jane put in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, we had obviously two former ministers. No, well, they are ministers still, but of the last administration, moved to different departments. Uh, firstly, um, many of you will be familiar with David Ashford, the health minister, who is now the treasury, treasury minister. minister. Mm-hmm. Um, you have. The other candidate for chief minister, Dr. Alex Allenson, moving to the Department of Enterprise, which was a very interesting move. A lot of people saying he should either stay in um, education or move to, to health, where his back, background is. But then many people have argued it be a conflict of interest. Mm. Um, mm. But he, he in an interview with uh, Sam Turton from Jeff the Mongoose, uh, when he was talking about um, his, his new ministerial position, he... Um, he did say it was either you know stay in education or uh move to DfE department of enterprise that was his sort of decision but i do find it particularly odd that uh, he's moved to the department of enterprise but i can see with his interest in um it's so he in, can do it's, in it's... medicinal cannabis mm. and and other things um, but i i did find it interesting how for instance he moved there we obviously saw the public um out sort of uh outcry of of rob callister uh, who wanted him in a ministerial position? Uh, not to get one. <laughs> I, I think that that it was it was a bit
0: snide of him to say, "Oh, I was disappointed." It's kind of that's just you just don't say that in politics. Yeah. It's, it's not it's not it's not the done thing. A- and he and he uh, said yes. um,
1: and he said that the way Alf was approached uh, wasn't very. Uh, I can't remember what he said. It, it, he, he was complaining. Yes, he, yeah. he was. He was basically complaining, but. The new Council of Ministers is a really different one, uh, and I, I I don't know where we'll, we'll, we'll see. I think uh, but it, it aligns quite well uh, behind Alf's strategy, which I think is good. He, he uh, said people that wanted to be in the, the, mm. the Kermin had to envis- envis- yeah, envis- envisage his strategy. His, his strategy. Um,
0: and it's quite good to mix in at least one political opponent, uh, because again, it keeps them under the wing and out and out of flaring uh, and attacking you. Anyway, so it's always always useful in that in yes. that regard. So your th- your yeah. thoughts
1: on the quickly on the on the new council of ministers?
0: Um, I'm
2: very pleased Jane Paul Wilson got a um, got a place in Komen of, in in Komen. Um I think she's great. I think the the split of men and women is great. I thought um, it was interesting putting Alice, Allinson, um out of the public sector, but I do think he'll do well. He's um, very eloquent. He he was my choice for chief minister frankly um i think he'll do very very well because uh, frankly i think he'd do well in most roles um uh, who else yeah i thought it was interesting putting ashford in treasury it was obvious he was going to get um a place but i thought that um it was quite different from his role in health um so it'll be interesting to see what he does there um i think alf will be like a, a steady force i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing but um
1: Yes. Well, many people have described him as a Thatcher in trousers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Thatcher Thatcher's described as a man in trousers, but, you know. Um, other but again, yeah. I think Thatcher... Well, that's the analogy that Th- I've Th- seen Th- on Th- several Thatcher, forums Thatcher. on the island. If, if
0: he is a Thatcher in trousers, then he is very good uh, as our chief minister, I must say.
1: <laughs> Well, there you go. That's your opinion, Archibald. Anywho. <laughs> the only opinion of the podcast. I, 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 will, I will quickly uh, keep moving through our, our topics, but it's interesting and great to discuss them. It's one of my favourite parts oh, yeah, of the, the podcast. The, the, the DOI, I find that yes. hilarious.
0: Won't give nightmare deadlines, says the DOI, the department, well-known for giving in nightmare deadlines.
1: <laughs> but so but then night. it's that sort of thing, uh, which I heard on the Manning Line this week. Um, Moaning line.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> anyway, Um and it was sort of that thing. Well, if there's going to be no deadlines, then when's anything going to get done? You know, mm-hmm. that's another example. But moving back to our previous story, Archie, which you managed to somehow skip, um, <laughs> was uh, damn it! I
0: have to bring COVID into it again, Oliver. I'm sorry, <laughs> oh, I had to. Saying.
1: But it's 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 Archie. It's a very point at this moment in time. We are going through a, 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 basically a you could describe it as a um, I don't know how many waves we've been through technically on cool. the Isleman, but probably our fourth or fifth. This is a, a We're going into another wave and I I see it sort of staying because at the moment the government have not gone in with any sort of um, policy. Uh, They've said they're going to be discussing it this week. But before you know it, it's going to be too late. Archie, have you been wearing a face covering this week? Which is expected. Andrea, no,
0: have I no. have. I, I, can, can I say? No, I have not. I find it utterly ridiculous.
1: You find it also ridiculous. I do. I do. Why but do we, you We have we, we've, we've now vaccinated
0: the most vulnerable in society. We've now vaccinated the majority of the society. We're reaching herd immunity, and it's pointless to continue living our lives in fear. I do but not. The cases and the and, and, and more, sorry, the more, cases in the hospital hospitalizations are are still going up. I think we'll always see that. You see flu every year. You have the flu jab. Every year, people die from flu. You've become
1: we- a lot less sympathetic towards I ha- I
0: have. We- we've reached a stage where we've now vaccinated the population. It's more deadly than flu. We've vaccinated the population. We now can treat it like flu. If you're ill, you go off school. It's more pertinent, if you wanted to have a protection policy, to force students to do two lateral flows a week than wear a mask. Because if I'm not infectious, wearing a mask does not protect me. So do you still believe, it people- me do you still believe
1: that things? people on the Isle of Man that have COVID-19 should still isolate... If they have and or should they isolate? If they felt ill, they should isolate for the period of the time that they feel comfortable with. Well, I, I
0: think now that we are we are seeing where they we are moving towards a modern a new a new normal in a way. Mm-hmm. We should not be having to be forced to wear a mask. I think expecting students to wear a mask is ridiculous. How they're going to enforce it? They're making us sit very close together. It, masks have absolutely no no no, no detriments. No 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 benefit benefit to my health. I don't want to get ill from COVID. A mask is not going to protect me from that. Yeah,
1: it's been interesting. Um, We've been vaccinated. It's been interesting. I, mm-hmm. I don't know whether in your schools the same sort of um, Case but assembly sort of being cancelled again and but we're still gathering in a in a building. We're still gathering in big yeah. areas, mm-hmm. you know. Um people people warning over events sort of being being cancelled do you think we should wear a mask oliver um I, I do believe it's freedom of choice so, there <laughs> we are hard <laughs> question again uh, not believing yes oh, i do think i do think you should i don't think it should be the do thing you wear is, a mask in school um i i did wear one for a period of time um but i decided not to because i realized that so many other people weren't so and I they're, realized, so, they're so I realized, uncomfortable i realized it wouldn't be effective um but they're uncomfortable to wear and you can't also, hear people speaking properly. But so. I, I also see it as, well, if a few of us are going to wear masks, then I think it's not going to be as effective if everyone wears a mask everywhere. You know, it's what it's like the, the example of, oh, it should be mandra- mandatory on public transport. But then you go to a, I don't know, let's say, for example. Supermarket. Supermarket. Yeah. You're all still gathering uh, and it's not enforced. I mean, it's, uh, the disposable it's still, masks. The disposable yeah. masks annoy they
0: really, really annoy
1: me. Yeah, I've because seen. I saw one at the mm-hmm. bus stop the other they, week, and I thought, uh, that, I'm not going to pick that up because it's people just yeah. they, of, ch- they
0: chuck it on the ground, yeah. and then you're like, mm-hmm. I can't touch that because I might yeah. get a health hazard. Mm-hmm. And there's so many just disposed; they fly into the ocean, mm-hmm. and they kill, they kill sea life. It's not good.
1: Anyway, we saw the first mm-hmm. Timwald uh, of the new uh, administration and 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 Keys, and obviously um, mm-hmm. we had the uh, proposal of uh, whether the. Gas prices. I had a fascinating Twitter yeah. argument the other night on that. Yeah, I, I did <laughs> yes. see it was rather lengthy. Um, a few hundred tweets, and, and, and now we've, it was the um, members of Tim voting, and uh, they basically all said, well, we had to vote against it, otherwise it could be a lot worse. So Ireland gas prices now rose by 27.5%, which is quite a lot. Um, yeah. yeah. And some M- I've seen one MHK sort of labelling it as... Um, keep your heating on this winter kind of thing. And I suppose it's that um, there is going to be support for people on, on, on low uh, mm-hmm. incomes uh, to support them over this time. But uh, it is unfortunate. But obviously, gas prices are rising everywhere extortionately. Um, so, you know, I suppose in one way that they, they do have to go up. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, DOI Minister won't give nightmare deadlines. Yeah, we've, we've sort of looked at that. I don't... I can see where he's coming from because it was that idea with um oh it's gonna be done by this time, but then it's not and it keeps getting delayed which annoys people. But then there's gonna be an expectation that nothing's going to get done if you don't give nightmare deadlines. Well the department's paying there for the department should get get what it's paid for.
0: If you look even if it's prom it's so it's ridiculous taking so long. The contractor's gone over what they
1: proposed and I mean it, there's no financial cost. Um the constr- the con the contractor was the, clearly not good, suitable for, for for I say for undertaking baker that project. Them in and
0: nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sorry, I couldn't resist the pun of the previous D R administrators. Anyway, yes. Well, UK, in, in international <laughs> news, we obviously saw the very uh, cowardly uh, attack and obviously very very sad mm. death of Sir David uh, Amos uh, last week. Uh, that was very very sad to hear of. Um, it, was, it was very shocking. It does, yeah. it does pose a very serious risk to our parliamentarians when he was literally, he's not, he, he is a total, everyone on both sides of the house, mm. he's very likeable on both sides mm. of the house and all sides of political police protection. He very, just stands up. He's a constituency MHK at the heart. So I really, it it, it was very, very shocking, very sad to see. Um, so that's, that's obviously, was main news item of the week. And obviously it doesn't mean they're looking at now reviewing some of the MP security to make sure they are still actually safe and, uh, to re- remain in public office. They're not now put it a detriment, which is good. And we obviously then saw, in light of that, there were mock gallows erected outside parliaments by some uh, anti-Covid protesters or something, saying they're going to hang the MPs for their crimes, which I thought was That's ridiculous. They've not done anything wrong. They're just trying to pick up public health now we're moving away from needing that. I think we had a year and a half Eighteen months. I think enough is enough. We've now vaccinated. We can now move on and live our lives. A Similar phrase from earlier of our, our discussion about COVID. Yeah. What, what do you, What do you think about masks in school, though, Grayer? Hmm, Never so... got an opinion there. <laughs> I, I've come back, come and entrapped uh, that.
2: So this is one of the thing. One of the few times I think that I I think I side more with Archie on this one. Obviously, a far- um, I Massive I know. surprise. Wow. Obviously, it's 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 you know freedom. It's it's your freedom to wear it if if you if you choose to or not um but i've i've been vaccinated and i think that um yeah if if, if you're that worried just be vaccinated do lateral flows um i do think um on the opposite side that the gov- if the government's that worried about school children they should offer the second vaccine um i'm like that that seems a bit counterintuitive. Or they should,
0: they should at least wear masks. If they're going to say school children should expect to wear masks, at least wear mask yourself. It's exactly. not making for Christmas. Exactly, mm. yeah. Um, but I think for teenage boys between 12 and 17, the second vaccine does put them at a higher risk than catching COVID of a heart condition. Really? Uh, of infl- it's my trick. I can't pronounce the Latin name. Inflammation of the heart, basically. Great. Mm-hmm. Um... So that there's re- its very small, very small risk still, but yeah. there is a risk well, still.
2: Obviously, that's up to them if they if they choose yeah. to take it or not. But I think that if they're that worried about COVID, they exactly. should at least offer more provisions mm. and make it a more, um, like island-wide approach rather than just targeting schools. Or well, well, is, is their the
0: is, 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 is approach to ventilation, which yeah. really confuses me? Let's open the windows, all the heat out, put mm. the heaters on full, still let all the heat out. And make everyone freeze. And, and that's so, their proposal. Yeah, er- and, everyone and, and, open and, the windows. It's and this ridiculous. week,
1: I've seen surprisingly a very much lack of hand sanitizer that's Yay. virtually seen nowhere. Um, so and there's not been very much reinforcement of um, sort of hand washing. Mm-hmm. Um, fake news over. Uh, <laughs> <news. laughs> it's just it's just um, uh, it's.
0: and it, it they 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 haven't implemented the restrictions which do more than wearing a mask. And wearing a mask, ultimately, that is, it's not good for education. It's not conducive to a learning mm-hmm. environment mm-hmm. because you, it's good to see faces. Facial
1: is a key to our mm-hmm. to our humanity. I'm really. yet to see a carbon um, dioxide monitor. Oh, I've seen <laughs> them. I'm not sure how reliable they are, though, because it was showing our
0: history classroom at 4,000 parts per million, which... Considering the average inside is eight hundred to be healthy, and four thousand is just below the legal guideline for allowing in rooms, I'm not sure how accurate that meter was.
2: Either yeah. that you're or you're in trouble.
0: Exactly, so. <laughs> it's either one. It's bad either way. Definitely. Uh, it's bad either way. So, we do move on to I guess my I enjoy this part of the week. This is our guest takeover so you can speak to us a minute about the taxidermy of jeremy <laughs> Breath, uh, bentham as your uh, as your topic was
2: yeah so, so to talk about that you've got to talk about jeremy bentham um i study philosophy at a level um and we're doing utilitarianism at the moment as part of our course um which is a very it's a controversial um belief but jeremy bentham is one of the founders of utilitarianism the belief that um an action is moral if it um results in um, which is quite controversial. but I think Jeremy Bentham's like quite a good guy. He um he was very, very intelligent. He um he went to Oxford at age twelve or something. but he quickly became quite disenfranchised with um the judicial and political system, which is obviously quite fitting for our talk today. Um so he he spent most of his life um trying to improve that, which is great, in my opinion. Um, and then he got himself taxidermied, and it's really, really weird. He he founded um, University College London, great thing to do. And in his will, he was like, "Please taxidermy me and put me in there." So if if you search up online or go to UCL, um, you'll see him, and he's in a little cabinet just in the reception of UCL. Um, it's it's a bit it's a bit freaky. Um, just be warned and um yeah he gets wheeled out to public events um and he he looks a bit creepy and his his head was actually subject to um an experimental mummification um that resulted in in him looking terrifying frankly and his so um his his real head was on display below his body and then they kind of Made a, a wax figure of his head, um, but but his his real head um, is no longer on display um, because it was subject to um, university games between students Um <laughs> wow the um, the students of King's College London um, would make a habit of stealing Jeremy Bentham's head.
0: Um, <laughs> <laughs> so... I must say, if you do do you go and look at the head, it is quite it's quite something. I yeah, it say. is um, I'm currently looking yeah. Looking so in so great. please
2: please give it a look, but also um, take it with a pin just be warned, it is a bit freaky frankly but i think it's a really fun story um but i would argue that um it's so creepy that it kind of goes against this principle of util- utilitarianism i don't think that results in the in the most good for the most amount of people but because it's terrifying did it make him happy <laughs> there that's we are. true exactly. that is true it did yes. make him happy
0: uh, I, I must say, it, it, it does make for quite a funny anecdote. <laughs> it so does. It, do, it does, I would say, increase the amount of good things in the world of his head. Mm-hmm. It, it's just purely... Unless, obviously, you're frightened by severed heads, yep. then not necessarily so. Yeah. Not necessarily so. But then we move on to uh, the last segment of our podcast, which is mm-hmm. our recommendations. It always sounds like an aircraft taking off. Our <laughs> uh, little jingle for recommendations. So... Oliver, I see you nicked one of my recommendations last week for you this week. But what were your recommendations for the
1: week? Well, last night I thought, oh, we were talking about it in politics, (laughs) one of the A-levels that I'm currently studying uh, at the moment. Anyway, uh, we were talking about sort of new labour. Anyway, I thought, oh, this sounds really interesting. I thought, ah, I remember... I'd seen mm-hmm. it on the news and I'd seen Archie talking about it, this mm-hmm. uh, new sort of series called Blair and Brown, mm-hmm. The New Labour Revolution. Mm. So I started watching it last night. He's- it's really interesting isn't it actually it's,
0: it's just it's, I, I've only watched the trailer so far I've not had the time oh right I, 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 I've been, I've been uh, heavy, I have started watching I've been heavy night. on the mission staff's yeah. book but I, I, I he's I watched, dropping it again he's dropping it again I, I, <laughs> I, I, I watched you, you dropped COVID I dropped this <laughs> um, I, 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 I watched the Thatcher one a while ago like a year or so Which it, was, it, it seems very same format uh, they they did one on Thatcher, so they they made, made very very good documentaries. Mm. So yeah, um, it was worth to watch. Say. Yeah, definitely. It's on my list. At least.
1: Um, and reading wise, I haven't. I've, I've been reading a lot of you know textbooks and stuff mm-hmm. like that, but that's nothing really excuses, interesting. Excuses. Um, I've not actually sat down and read anything that I. Desired to read. Anyway, uh, mm-hmm. listening wise, I've been listening to a, another Manx Radio show, uh, which is Spotlight, uh, presented by Sarah Hendy. And it's looking into um, what's sort of going on culturally uh, on the Isle of Man. So last week they were talking about a um, NT Connections, which is National Theatre Connections mm-hmm. program, which is something I was involved with a couple of years ago. And uh, it was just about what they're going to be doing this year um this week they were speaking to um artists uh, particularly jeremy paul who's from your neck of the woods archibald uh he's a fantastic artist he had his um never heard of him sorry he, he had his <laughs> artwork. he's mm-hmm. a manx local artist been mm-hmm. local artist for about 40 years now anyway um he had his artwork a couple of years ago on the MS biscuit tins. Oh, uh, so speckle, do you like MS. Yeah. Very good. Anyway, it was the Christmas. It was the Christmas, Christmas. biscuit tins, <laughs> so it was great. Um so I really enjoy the most of the um, Manx Radio programmes, but Especially
0: t- this one all of But particularly Spotlight. <laughs> Very um
1: I think it's on I can't remember uh, Monday or Wednesday evening. And it's available remember. as a anyway. podcast on Manxradio forward slash podcasts. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. That's what I've been listening to. How about you, Greya?
2: Oh, so in terms of reading, I've been a bit multitasking, actually. Um, for more school-related um, books, I'm reading The God Delusion by Richard mm-hmm. Dawkins. Uh, I don't know if you've read it, but it is amazing. I'd recommend it to everyone, um, religious or not. He, he is fascinating, I he must is, say. He yes. is. Um, it's just... it. It's a it's a work of nonfiction fiction um, arguing... Um, the lack of an existence of a god. Mm. Um, But it is so well-written and um, interesting and funny. Oh, I'd recommend it to everyone if I could.
0: It it does pose some very, very interesting points. Mm -hmm. Mm. It does.
2: Um, And kind of for my own pleasure, um, Oranges Are Not the Only Fruit by Jeanette Winterson. Not Um, heard of that one, I must say. a, Um. I mean, it's a modern classic, kind of. Um, It's quite a short read. Um, It's about a girl who grows up in a very... um, extreme Christian church and realises she's gay and um, so does the church and it kind of details her, her traumatic experiences. It's a work of fiction um, around that, which is upsetting but very interesting. Um, in terms of watching, I've been watching, it's been out for a while. Um, I think it's on BBC called Ridley Road. Um, it is based on a true story but it's kind of um, fictionalised. Um, it, it's about a Jewish um girl who goes to live in London um in like the sixties, just after um World War Two. And she kind of gets caught up um as being like a mole in um a neo Nazi group. And it's so good. It's amazing. Mm. Very gripping. And in terms of listening, I don't, I don't tend to listen to any podcasts. Um, Not at I'm, I'm sorry, Not I'm sorry. Not I'm even. Like, I do, <laughs> I do listen to Babel, but it is the ordinary if for if me. If you
0: don't, have do an eject button? You fly out the <laughs> No, so I, I don't,
2: I, I just don't. Mm. But um, but my mum did recommend me one, which I have been meaning to listen to, which I've heard is very, very good. Um, it's on BBC Sounds. It's called um George George III, mm. and it provides kind of an alternate alternative point of view to George III, and that while he was, like... Uh, quite mentally ill. He also did a lot of good things mm. for, for Britain, so I've heard that's very, very good. But that's all I can give.
0: And he lost America. <laughs> oh,
2: he did. Sure, he did.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, such a shame there. Well, I must say, my my reading this week, I do recommend. I do actually recommend. Uh, gold is the uh, it's entitled Gold: The Race for the World's Most Seductive Re- uh, Metal. It won uh, BBC Radio 4's Book of the Week once by mm. Matthew Hart is a fascinating book, kind of detailing kind of gold's allure really to mm-hmm. gold as such a precious metal. And it's been very prevalent in many civilizations. You see, obviously, the Incas had loads and loads. And then Spanish Conquestadors are mm-hmm. like, we'll take that, because gold was the main currency in Europe and silver at that time. Mm-hmm. Again, very prevalent. But across the world, we've seen this really allure to gold. It's a fascinating book, mm-hmm. kind of detailing its history and kind of interweaving it with the world i'm very fascinated by most commodities so it, <laughs> it, it was really fascination and i continue with my theme of suggesting a classical music piece of this week so you can get you this week i am suggesting uh dvorak's uh it's symphony number no. six in d major i think this is the wrong one because it's not it's not playing the right one but anyway <laughs> Dvor, Dvor, dvorak's i have it i have it saved here Yes, is uh, Symphony Number no. Six in D Major. I think I played the wrong movement from it, which is probably why. But it's fast. It's a really good piece, really engaging. Um, I'm a classical music <laughs> fan, so I I, I I must say if this happens to become a uh, classical music podcast, we all know why. Uh, but yeah, that is my recommendation for this week. Watching wise, I've just been too snowed under to watch anything mm. of current notes. So, yes. It's not been
1: snowing. What do you want about? <laughs>
0: <laughs> analogies all my friend. Of analogies. So, yes, yeah. so that that does actually conclude our wonderful political, uh, uh, podcast. That, that's Politibabble. So, thank you for coming on, Gray. It's thank been great to have you here.
1: And again, if you'd like to be a guest on Politibabble, please do get in touch. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Yes, yeah, so that's this week's over. We'll join us next time for a discussion. Well, we might do, actually, about a topic we were talking about at the start which I've now very helpfully gone and forgotten. But, (laughs) (laughs) uh, yes, so we might be doing a topic very close to home of should prisoners be allowed to vote? That was it. That was it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yes, do stay tuned for that. Uh, As usual, you can find us on all of your favourite podcast providers from Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, and even Pocket Cast, many, many more. So do get in touch on social media if you have any comments or questions about the programme, and check out our previous episodes. They're all on your podcast providers at manxradio.com forward slash podcast forward slash
1: politibabble. You've been politibabbled.